Hello and welcome to this special pre-conference preview edition of the Lib Dem podcast and the Nevermind the Bar Charts podcast, where we are talking about everything that's coming up in the conference coming up in only a few days' time now. And we have a stellar group of guests to talk us through what you can do with that training, whether it's the debates, anything and everything you might want to know about this conference. So first up, I think we will talk to uh, Mr. President, Mark Pack, who also obviously hosts uh, the Nevermind the Bar Charts uh, podcast, as well as rights and everything else. I mean, he, he is, he just does everything. So Mark, I mean, the first question people will probably ask is, why is this actually online at the uh, the conference? I guess two reasons. One is a very simple one about accessibility. Uh, you know, what we've seen with the two conferences we've done online so far is we've had really good attendance figures, much higher than they would have been if they'd been physical conferences. And in particular, people who can't normally afford the huge amount of money, frankly, it costs to come to conference. I mean, I'm a complete conference addict. I've come gone to every federal conference since I think it's 1991. Um, but, yeah, and I'm happy in that sense to pay for my addiction to conference. But it is a lot of money and it is a lot of time. So there's a real accessibility thing. The other is to bear in mind that even with all the, you know, thankful progress on vaccinations and so on, there's a good chunk of our colleagues who are currently having to take very careful precautions to ensure that they don't get infected with coronavirus. And so actually holding a physical event at the moment, particularly given you know the typical age demographics of, of conference attendees and so on, would actually disadvantage quite a few people. And given that conference is a democratic part of our, a really important democratic part of our party sort of whole processes and way of working you know that would be a really major factor of course the first of those two factors raises some interesting questions for the future which conference committee will have to grapple with about can we fight do we do hybrid conferences in the future do we alternate between physical and virtual but the reason I particularly mention the benefits of virtual participation is I just hope that across all sorts of different party activities that we don't suddenly rush back to thinking right let's just do everything physical because there has been a real benefit of in terms of diversity and engagement of doing stuff online because for many people not everyone obviously but for many people it makes it a lot easier now christine i uh, would delighted to be welcomed sorry christine jarnin from join us from edinburgh uh, now i don't know when your first conference was christine I, I wouldn't i wouldn't dare ask um but i mean how excited are you uh, about this conference coming up my first conference uh, oh God, when was it? Um, actually, I'm ashamed to say it was when it was 2012, maybe 2011. Um, what a newcomer you are, crikey! I know, <laughs> 2011. I am, I am. Um, and it was, I had lost, of course, um, in the Scottish elections and then went to work for the coalition and I was working and it was uh, Birmingham. All right. That was a good conference. Was fun. I enjoyed Birmingham. Birmingham. Do you know, I think Birmingham was a fantastic location. Um, just the, the whole thing on the canal and being in the one and, of course, with all the security. And I was introduced to the joys. <laughs> Of Glee Club, <laughs> but that that was fun. But I, I just the thing I love about conference is the chance to see people, speak to people that I haven't seen 
oh, sometimes for two or three years. Now, I know it's different with the virtual conference, but we do have the breakouts and social rooms. Um, and it's just, it gives you, you feel so much part of it, so much more part of the family and so much more part for the political geeks amongst us, of which I am one, part of policy. Um, just being there when it's discussed is it part of the debate and whether you take part or not, you can actually trace when Ed stands up or Munira or myself or whatever, when we're following debates in, in Parliament, you can actually trace where it's come from, that it was, say, um, Keith Ness, Sutherland and Ross local party put forward a motion to conference, which was amended but accepted, or Twickenham put forward a motion, all these things. And you can trace it back and you know where it's come from. And it's great to feel part of that. And as well as debates, we're just doing a quick overview for everyone because I, I, I'm very conscious that we might have new listeners, new watchers, who have never been to a conference before. And I think Mark has just told us before we came on, I think a quarter of the people registered for conferences time have never been to a conference before. So that's absolutely brilliant to see. But one of the things, as well as- Can I just say- Yeah. That are we allowed to talk about the social aspects of it. Are we allowed to talk Absolutely. about it? You are. That's are we allowed to talk thinking. about the disco competition yep. at um, Autumn Conference? And um, which I have to say, I have one. And um, the um, <laughs> and the karaoke um, and all of the things which um, really make conference fun. Although you have to make sure that you're still in a fit state for the debates the next day. That's true. I, yeah, the, the, the Sunday morning uh, sessions are usually some of the quieter. Uh, but one good thing about... You still don't have to go into television on a Sunday morning. That's, 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 that is absolutely true, yeah. Um, but one of the things, as well as the debates, there's also a shed ton of training. And, and so from the ALDC, we have Alex Warren, uh, who can just give us a quick summary, because this year there's even more training, not just from the ALDC, but also from the campaigns team. And they've colour-coded it, which is which was unbelievable in the agenda. I mean, that, that, that's been a revolution, that. But Alex, obviously, talk to us a little bit of kind of what kind of training people can get. Yeah, so if people don't know what ALDC is and what they do, it's the Association of Liberal Democrat Councillors and Campaigners, and we essentially uh, train the party uh, to campaign. And when you do win, uh, we'll help, hopefully help you keep your seats. So we've got, all in all, what looks like 29 training sessions over the weekend. Um, some of those are doubled up, um, and some of them are expanded programmes, like we've got an agents weekend. So agenting is quite a specialist thing to do as a local party activist. Um, some people have never done it before. It's quite a big job. So we try and give the most thorough introduction and training on that um, to, at all levels throughout the party. And it, it could be you could be a deliverer coming to your first conference because um, you're interested in what the party is and what who you are as a Liberal Democrat and you want to see where you fit into the party structure. Well, um, ALDC, if you're interested in expanding you know, winning elections and helping people out in your local area, you can do that. Or if you've been a councillor for 15 years, but you don't know how to artwork a focus on affinity, well then come along to conference training. Um, so we've got lots of different sessions to cater for lots of different uh, abilities and kind of experiences as well. Thank you, Alex. And joining us is the chair, or co-chair, Big Burn, of uh, Young Liberals, uh, is Callum here. Callum uh, is come along again. He's been on the podcast before, Callum, so I'm very glad for you to come back. Now, one of the best things for me about conference is actually meeting some of these groups that are associated with the Lib Dems, where they can really push forward ideas and also hold fringe events where, you know, the, the debates are brilliant in the big chamber. But if you really want to knuckle down into, a, into a, an actual policy or something, having experts from within the Lib Dems 
and from with that from outside is brilliant. So welcome, Callum. Are you looking forward to conference? Uh, yes. I mean, uh, I, I would say the Young Liberals recently had our conference and we actually we managed a hybrid conference. Um, and in recent weeks, Christine came along as a speaker as well. Um, unfortunately, I couldn't make it. Shut me up, really, can you? <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't want to. We wouldn't want to. Um, but no, it was a great success. It was well attended both virtually and online. Um, so I think that, that that's great going forward. But you're, you're right in terms of there, there's some fantastic events going on. Um, and I would say also motions. So uh, I'm going to have to brag about it because I'm really proud of how young liberals have managed to do it. But we've got three separate motions uh, going to conference, uh, one in conjunction with the federal board on changing the age range, um, uh, one on, um, I believe, caring and the carers' um, agenda, and the other one actually on the Uyghur genocide and, and the Uyghur crisis, um, which whilst a controversial topic, it's the first time the Young Liberals have got a policy motion uh, that oh, it's about foreign policy on the agenda since since the 1970s. So I think it, it speaks volumes about quite how well some of the executive have, have been integrating themselves. Sorry if you can hear a train in the background, that is the DLR. Um, but yes, uh, it speaks wonders about how, how well we've managed to integrate uh, ourselves with the wider party and actually make an impactful difference there. So yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And some of the fringes should be excellent too. While we give them a minute, Mark, to think of what motions they're particularly interested in, because I'm going to put them on the spot now. But Mark, it might be worth, again, just for people who are completely new to it, um, who writes these motions that come to, to conference? Because there's, I think there's 20 policy mm. motions in conference in total. And who decides which ones get selected to be debated? So anyone can write a motion. You have to get nine other members to sort of sign the motion when you submit it. So there are motions that come completely from the grassroots in that respect. There are also motions that come from MPs uh, and there are motions that come from uh, parts of the body, part, sorry, parts of the party like the Federal Policy Committee. So quite often the big policy motions come off the back of maybe policy working groups that the policy committee has put together that have studied a topic for perhaps a year or 18 months and then come up with a motion. So there's a very broad range uh, broad range of places they come from, which reflects the fact there is you know, expertise all across, you know, all across the party. And we've got a fair number of party business type things at this conference, um, some of some of which come from the federal board. So I'll be hopefully encouraging lots of people to vote for them. Uh, but, you know, we've we've got the full range from stuff that's about the internal workings of the party through to, as Callum mentioned, you know, very international topics. Um, and you know lots of lots of things on domestic policy issues as well I think there's a really good range of of topics and I, I think in particular you know I, I do want to echo what Callum said I think it's really good to see the young liberals having put in that motion on the Uyghur genocide because that is an issue I know is at the forefront of a lot of members minds I mean we're recording this you know just a few days after the horribly botched announcement of the US withdrawal from Afghanistan so you know, Afghanistan, I guess, is probably at the forefront of people's minds at the moment. But certainly until then, I was quite struck by just how many Lib Dems were talking about and discussing the Uyghur genocide. So it's 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 been a really good move by, by Callum and his colleagues to make sure we've got that on the agenda to discuss. Absolutely. And I should bring in, absolutely, because we have a member of the Federal Con mm. Conference Committee. Uh, yeah. Hi, <laughs> Rochelle. So Hi, Rochelle. Rochelle Shepherd debay Hello, Rochelle. Welcome to the Lib Dem podcast. Um, so obviously you've had, how has conference, the preparation been uh, so far? 
interesting. Let's put it that way. Uh, eight hour meetings on weekends uh, can be a real challenge. And you were asking who actually decides what goes to conference? That's the Federal Conference Committee. We have the final word on what actually does go to conference. Not necessarily anybody else at this point, unless Mark tells us what we what he wants. I wonder if that means you're probably the most moaned at person in this room. I, you know, I thought Christine might be the top or, or Mark as president, <laughs> but I imagine someone who works at Federal Conference Committee must be right up there. Yes, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> it, it's a challenge. It's a challenge to do this. I will tell you that my only other experience with conferences was the World Science Fiction Convention, which was equally strange, but its own separate way. <laughs> right. Okay. So let's have a thing about now. Now, Christine, you have got several motions. I think you are moving. Now you can choose them if you want. We will not judge you one bit if you think you, that your particular motion you're working on is the best or the most you're looking forward to, I should say. There are no bests. Oh, there are no bests. I have to say, I, um, on Mark's point about Afghanistan, I think yeah. um, it's noticeable um, or it's significant that conference agenda was finalised before the debacle is the only word for it in Afghanistan. However, I suspect by the time we get to the conference, there may be an emergency motion or a topical motion, yeah. depending on what happens next, because it's difficult to see a way that um, this can progress um, in a way that is in any way acceptable. I'm, I'm but from my own point of view, the fact that Dominic Raab is, is still foreign secretary, I find utterly incredible. Um, I, you know, the fact that he went on holiday when we knew this was happening and then didn't come straight back is, I think, unforgivable. So um, I'm hoping that there will be something by the time we get to conference. On the, I, I've been a wee bit carried away this this year. If you look at the motions, I mean, I, when I, I when I look at it, I think you know it's true. It's difficult to shut me up once I get started. Um, but one of the things I like about the hybrid aspect of it is, I should have mentioned earlier, it will allow people from every part of the country, um, Liberal Democrats from everywhere, from Unston, Shetland down to Cornwall. To, to be part of it. And I think that's good. And um, I mentioned um, Shetland, but I should probably mention Orkney because of the motions that I'm involved in, one of my favourites is um, the motion on assisted dying because that's been a campaign that I've been um, part of in Parliament along with Dignity and Dying. Um, we have a cross-party group. Um, Andrew Mitchell is on it for the, the Conservatives. Um, Karen Gray. Karen Smith, even a big pardon for the for the Labour Party, uh, myself, and we have had several debates, and we are hoping that Baroness Meacher has put forward um, uh, proposed legislation. So hopefully there will be something in this Parliament because there's massive public support for it. It's more than eighty yeah. percent for the change in the law that we're hoping for. And I'm also hoping that the the motion will be submitted by Liam McCarthy. Um, the MSP for Orkney, who is now Deputy Presiding Officer of the Scottish Parliament. And he is introducing uh, legislation there later this month. There's a consultation period um, in the hope that we can have legislation there as well during this um, term of the Scottish Parliament. Public opinion, as I said, has changed. It's behind it now. And this is the last great social reform, probably, that we have. And Liberals have been at the forefront in the past, um, I think specifically about David Steele. And 
all the lives that were changed and have been so different. And women's lives were, were opened were opened up and freed in a way that is, you know, difficult to imagine now by the abortion legislation. So, you know, assisted dying is, yes, hugely controversial and there are, it has to be carefully regulated, but I believe that what we're talking about in Parliament now and what we as a party would look at would be something which would be enabling and would be significant to the last great social reform, as I say, so that's significant. Also, with my, with my Treasury hat on, the um, the motion on corporation tax and Joe Biden's you know international corporation tax because that for me is something a way that we could tackle the Amazons and the Starbucks of this world um, because the, the sort of society that we we want to build the sort of fierce society that we want to build would be so much more achievable and these if we were getting the tax from these companies who are very adept at skipping around the world and not paying what they should be paying. So um, that, for me, I'd like to see us support that going forward, maybe even more. But um, And there are other amendments, of course. And I I do tend to... They are all important to me. Um, And I think that... Although they're important to me and I might be um, proposing them or submitting them, I know that the the people that they're really important to are like the Violence Against Women and Girls group um, who I was involved with when we were looking at the domestic abuse motion, which is coming before um, conference. I was involved in the domestic abuse committee at Parliament. I sat in that for us when the current um, legislation was going through. And it's strange to say... But actually, Theresa May in, in Parliament said she wanted, when she brought this forward, this to be seen as her legacy because it's such a huge problem in society still. And we've seen it escalate during um, COVID-19. So that is important as well. But I know that all the motions are important to, to all the groups and the local parties and individuals sometimes who've been behind them. So I'm looking forward to it and I will... I promise I'll be, I won't, probably this is longer than any of my speeches will be at conference, but <laughs> I wouldn't, then again, I wouldn't bet on it. <laughs> well, it's very interesting because we actually did a little poll, a kind of a playoff poll online to see which uh, motions people were more in favor, more interested in or what they were most looking forward to. And actually it was the party strategy uh, emotion that people so I think already people are thinking maybe it's partly because they're so fed up with this Tory government they all they want to know okay when are we going to get rid of it but that strategy and I can bring it down to you Alex I don't know if if you've gone through the motions with an ALDC hat on or yourself personally but people are now gearing up and thinking you know what we're not long through left of this parliament if you think about it you know no. COVID COVID has wiped out it's kind of like that lost year and a bit we're actually you know Parliamentary selections are taking place right now. Some have already been concluded. We have to, if we want to get rid of these Tories, we have to get mm. ready and gear up now, don't we, Alex? We certainly do. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why ALDC exists. It's one of the reasons why Liberal Democrats exist. And I think what you've got a great opportunity for at conference is you've got average members getting trained up, doing these sessions, and then taking those ideas um, to the country and to conference. And then that becomes party policy and then becomes part of the strategy that helps us beat Conservatives and Labour. Uh, these huge monoliths that real people like us are actually getting rid of when we, when we run successful campaigns. 
Um, and like I said before, the length and breadth of training that we've got is going from finding great candidates, which is the starting thing, all the way up until you know the last thing, polling day, talking to voters, how to actually sign off that huge, great big plan that you've had for one or two years. Huge elections in London next year, 2022, the capital city of the, the whole country. It's going to be a really defining year for Liberal Democrats. But I think pandemic has really showed ALDC that Liberal Democrats know how to campaign in their communities and community has shone through during the pandemic as one of the most important things for human beings in this country and world over. And what do we understand? We understand community, we understand our communities. So it's taking those ideas of the average person, issues that affect people around us, our neighbours, taking them to conference, turn them into fantastic motions, but then applying that campaigning platform, uh, winning local elections until we win a general election. And that is hopefully what we can kick off this autumn. Now, listeners won't be able to know this, but Alex has got a, a fantastic array of ALDC books behind him. Normally, Mark is the shameless one for promoting books in the background. That is, that's very impressive, Alex. You know, uh, you, you've really learned from the, the president there. So now, Callum, other than, I mean, you're more than welcome to talk about the, the you've talked a little bit about the, the Young Liberals motions. Are there any others that you in particular want to highlight that you're interested in seeing and being a part of? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> no, um, yeah, I think there are. I think there, there's two that really strike to me as, as, as quite important. Um, so in the aftermath of Cheshire Moments, I think the building communities motion is really important because actually I, th I think it's really important we relook at how we approach house building as a party and start not necessarily being opportunistically anti it. Um, any conceivable opportunity. And there are guilty parties out there, but there's also councils who are doing an incredible job, I think. It's always good to... Uh, Give a shout out to South Camps and Chelmsford, who are two of my favourite councils, um, and the aptly named Keith House down in Eastleigh, um, who loves building houses. Um, so th that's that's an absolutely fantastic motion. But the the other one, I think actually, um, I believe it's plus that have, have put forward, um, is the conversion therapy one. Um, you've seen it in New Zealand recently, um, and, and you're seeing it sort of taking off across the world a bit more. Uh, it's really important, uh, I think, to a lot of LGBT plus people on a personal level, and also institutionally. Um, it's one of sort of the remaining bastions of legal discrimination against the LGBT plus community. And I think we as a party, if we're, we're serious about being allies to, to the community, then it's one that I think it's imperative we pass and, and we pass overwhelmingly. Absolutely. Now, Laura, you are actually just a guest. You're not actually hosting this uh, or the episode of the the podcast. Is there anything you would like to bring forward, and what motions you're looking uh, looking forward to seeing and debating on? Yeah. So I've I think the the two that jumped out to me was the um, the strategy which we've already talked about, where I thought it was quite interesting that it's, it's got a series of subheadings in it which doesn't include localization. So localization is mentioned, but as a kind of second sentence within um within a, a bullet rather than as a sort of a point in its own right which I thought was quite an interesting choice and I, I feel like it should be quite con I hope it's quite controversial in the party because for me that's a huge part of um what we stand for and what we're about is that decentralization of power out of Westminster and sort of downgrading that as one of our objectives um I find a little bit concerning um, and then the other one that jumped out with me is that there's a proposal to amend the preamble to the constitution. So there's a bunch of constitutional changes in there, most of which are sort of administrative, some of which are quite administrative, but important. So, um, for example, the changes to the um, election of the vice president. 
um, is something that, you know, it, I think it's quite important, but it's, it's fundamentally it's an administrative change, whereas um, amending the um, preamble to in include uh, more references to the environment um, right up there in the first couple of sentences. Um, I don't have it right in front of me, but it, it's, you know, it, it's basically it would change the the sort of first paragraph of the of the preamble that so many of us like to quote to include a new element. And that one I thought was quite interesting because my initial reaction to that is like if somebody comes into your house and says, you know, I want to paint your front hall purple and you look at them and you're like, well, I'm, I'm not convinced about this. That's a bit strange. What are you doing to my front hall? get out of my get out of my house um and now I'm thinking about it I'm like actually oh maybe you know and then after you, they go maybe you start thinking oh maybe actually um it's not that bad an after idea after all maybe maybe I should think about this some more so at the moment I'm in the kind of chewing it over maybe actually this is a is is, is a good idea on the other hand it I'm still not quite convinced so that's one where I think I'll be listening to the debate and making a decision based on based on the debate and that almost like we plan on this, Laura. Um, that's almost a perfect segue to bring in Rochelle. And actually, because some again, some people will not know. Okay, who gets to speak on the debates? Who gets to vote on the debates? Because it never used to be every man, uh, one man, one vote, but it is now, isn't it, Rochelle? Yes, it is. Uh, that was changed by the FPC, I believe, and it was also changed by the conference. That's right. Uh, we get to decide. Well, we don't. We look at the speakers and decide who's going to be an interesting speaker and what their points are and what they want to say. And that gives us a better idea of who to pick to speak on a particular subject. And so that, that's kind of the motions bit done. So that will yes. be, that's in the main, uh, I can't remember, call it, call it the, I don't know if they call it the auditorium. Someone will correct me. What are they calling it this time? Uh, they're calling it... Uh, uh, oh, the see? stage, I think, is stage, the stage. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, yeah, but one of the things I enjoy the absolute most on any conference I've been to are actually the spokesperson Q&A sessions. Now, they yeah. are really good. Now, again, Christine's here, so I can put her on the spot. This is the, the joy of having her here. Is that now Christine's doing one as well? Uh, during the, there are three happening during the course of the conference. Now, Christine, you can be brutally honest. There's only us and the listeners here. Do you, when you do these Q&As, you think, oh, I'm in for a bit of a tough ride here. You've got, you know, Malcolm from Macclesfield's in again, and he's, you know, he's always awkward. Or do you think, or do you, do you like the fact it is not just speak, one person speaking, there's a bit of to and fro and getting asked those difficult questions? Uh, my husband used to say, my, my late husband used to say, that I was never happier than when you gave me a room full of people to talk to that I didn't know um, I get. Um, because, you know, you know, this was an opportunity. And can you imagine giving me a whole auditorium full of people to talk to <laughs> and, and, and find out about and, you know, and ask me questions? Um, no, I, I don't. I, I don't worry, worry about it, probably for all the wrong reasons, but I don't. I look forward to it because I think, yeah, Malcolm from Mugsworth or whatever or um, Winchester might be there and give me a hard time. But do you know what? That's what I'm there for. Um, I work for my constituents, but also the party and my local party. So if there's a difficult question, if there's a challenge to something that I have said or done or haven't done, then too, right? I should be put on the spot about it. We all should, and we should all answer to that. But also I think it's good to be able to hear what people genuinely think. 
and to get that feedback and to, to understand that the members might be happy with something or not happy with something and to be able to gauge it. And I think um, in the absence of conference bar, which is, of course, the other thing that I always love, um, that just that opportunity to talk to people and meet people, even virtually, is is great because the thing that you're in politics for, I always think, is people. It's about helping people. It's about changing lives, making a difference. And if you're not prepared to actually talk to people and to listen to people and to pick up from them what they want you to be doing, then really you shouldn't be doing it. It's, you know, it's it's what we're about, it's what we're for. Um, and I I love it. And as you're guessing, it's another chance to speak. So, I mean, it's, you know, God knows how long I'll go on for. We'll have to be careful not to let me go on too long and there'll be, it won't be a question and answer session. It'll be question and answer, singular. Yeah, we'll, 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 I'm sure there'll be a buzzer or a, or a mute button <laughs> will be installed. It, it'll be fine. A um, big net. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, but also, as well as the Q&A sessions, uh, we called it, I think, the Lib Dem speed dating last time, but this is the networking thing. Where again, just meeting random people. I found that yeah. really enjoyable at the first one because I, I met people from all sorts. Just I think I don't know if there's a time at this time. Either Mich- uh, Mark or Michelle, Rochelle will let us know. Because last time I think you had like, three minutes just to have a conversation and yeah. then that was it and it got cut off i actually really enjoyed that i thought it was yeah. good just it's that kind of simulating the bar experience but without paying 10 pound a pint it was it was it was really <laughs> enjoyable um now mark from your point of view other than the obviously the fantastic debates q a says what else do you look forward to in in a conference that we hopefully we're going to get uh, in a week or so's time. Well, I think the thing I'm most looking forward to is the party award session at the end of conference, which um, this will be my third time as party president, uh, you know, presenting awards at conference. And I mean, it just, we have some amazing colleagues and, you know, I sort of know that anyway. And I, you know, have the pleasure of dealing with amazing people most, not quite every day of the week, but most days. <laughs> days of the week but it just does give you a real sense of sort of pride in who we are as a party when you know when I have to do things like look through the different nominations for the party boards and so on and we have so many amazing people who are not particularly recognized outside their local party or sometimes even necessarily that much necessarily in, within their local party so I really enjoy the fact that we can we can give proper thanks and, you know, to, to some of our amazing colleagues in the awards. I should also say a little secret that we pre-record the party awards just because there's quite a lot of editing of the different thank you clips from different people and so on. So we pre-record them just in case. And as they're normally the last thing at conference, that actually makes the end of conference really nice and relaxed because, you know, it's already all in the can. I'm usually on standby just in case something has happened that means you know, the final closing remarks have to be changed. But I um, really would encourage everyone to, you know, make sure you are tuned in for the party awards because you will feel a real a real sense of warmth and pride about who we have amongst our ranks when you, when you hear who the winners are this time. I suppose the thing that always gets me about conference, which is the great thing about it, is that it gives you that energy again mm. because politics can be sometimes a little bit relentless, Mm. particularly if you're in a smaller party and it just gives you, you're in a room full of like-minded people and this time you're going to be in a virtual room getting the same training on the same plate. However they want to do, they care about the same issues and it really gives you that boost. And Callum, do you, 
is that what you get from? I mean, you guys have just had a like you say your uh, young liberals uh, kind of conference. Is that what you get from conference as well? Is that ability just to meet people and get your energy levels back up again? I think yeah. So there's two things really. There's the sort of the physical part, like the serious. I call it the serious side of conference of like your day to day agenda, your ability to give a speech, or or turn up to a fringe, sort of learn something new. I, I think that that's fantastic. That it's that those things can be really really motivating in terms of making you get back to uh from Bournemouth or Brighton on a Tuesday and just say well I'm going to deliver some leaflets after work tonight or something like that and then it's raining and in like but I'm, I'm still enjoying it um but I think the other half is is the sort of the fun less serious side of, it, of seeing people who you don't get to see all that often um so I'm, I'm London-based now so I'm just thinking Laura and Christine I think the two geographically furthest away um for me um I, I wouldn't see them in real life outside of a conference scenario usually uh, and it's just nice to see people to sit at the bar and just have a chat with them um and I, I remember my is either my first or second conference Alistair Carmichael and I when I was a brand new member started chatting at the bar and we went on to about two in the morning um and fair play to the bloke I was a random 18 19 year old who had no no idea who this bloke was and find out later he was an MP but uh, we'll move on there um and it's just it gives you the opportunity to, to meet people who you wouldn't normally meet and I think that can be really, really motivating in like remembering that we are at the core a family of people we're, we're, we're a team that actually work together and when we're working together really well we can actually deliver some pretty extraordinary things so yeah I mean I think we'll all agree with that I think it is just a, a fantastic way just to again of meeting brilliant people um but I want to go on to the fringe program and the training program that we've we've got coming up now Alex has done some chat about the kind of training you can get I mean is it it's important no matter who you are what you're doing you can get so, so whether it's about personal development whether it's about almost like whether you want to improve yourself within the party as in a role because it's not all about getting elected in terms of yourself or so you might you know, not everyone wants to be an elected member, says the guy that's a triple-hatted councillor. So ignore my hypocrisy for, for as, <laughs> as long as you can. Um, but but the fringe events and the train events are perfect way, again, because you, you should never feel too stupid to ask a question. And these are the places you can ask it because there'll be other people in the same boat. Is that is that right, Alex? Yeah, I mean, no more at ALDC than anywhere else. Um Shared knowledge is the most important thing. It, it factors into how we operate as an organization. Um, you know, 4,000 people are members of ALDC uh, and our advice officers are always on standby, but they're across the country. They're diverse. Their abilities are changing all the time as we get new people in. And, you know, no question is a stupid question. And we always say that here at ALDC. Um, I know some people put their heads in their hands when I say that, but, you know, because it, it sometimes creates more work. But to be honest, that that's what we're here for. We're here to support. We're here to maintain that. And as much as like it's like that for campaigning or how you fit into your local party, conference is like almost like self-realising. So um, I'm a, everyone's a Lib Dem for a different reason, I like to think. Uh, just like everyone's face is different, everyone's political identity and their experiences are different. And I think that conference is a great opportunity to develop that. Uh, develop it in a way that you didn't know how you might develop it. So um, what I'd say to people, if they were going to conference for the first time or if they've been before and they've not done training, just pick a load of stuff that you don't know what to do. Or even if you do know what to do, it's good to have that refresher. Um, and don't be scared as well, because I'll guarantee you that everybody in that room 
possibly even the trainer, uh, might not know fully, uh, you know, everything about that. I think there's always things to learn, always things to develop on. Um, and you, you'll never know everything, which is very reassuring, I think, if you go into it thinking like that. Uh, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, one of the things, some people that have been around for a very long time, there's always something new because politics yeah. is ne- politics is never still. It's always changing. And if we're, if we're standing still, we're falling behind. But Laura, you want to come in, you want to talk about a particular fringe you're interested in? Yeah, so um, it's on Sunday. The Northern Liberal Network, of which I'm the chair, and Liberal Reform are hosting a joint fringe on... Um, fighting back in the red wall so um we've heard a lot about the blue wall especially in the wake of the Cheshire and amersham by-election uh but we can't forget that there is a whole great big country out there and we want to be winning in all of it um so we are doing a fringe on sunday night uh sunday evening sorry um i think it's the 5 35 to 6 35 whatever the exact timing is but i think it's a 5 35 on um on Sunday um, that will be about um, how to win in the red wall. And um, there's a whole bunch of exciting speakers. And so, yeah, come to that one. Um, I'm also quite excited um, about some of the training opportunities as well. And um, this will be the first time actually that I'm gonna be leading some of them and co-leading others. So um, yeah, especially I'm doing a bit with the campaign for gender balance. So if there, if you are a woman who is listening to this and you're interested in getting elected at any level, um, or even think you might one day possibly maybe, but you're not sure, perhaps be interested in getting elected sometime, some someplace at some level, then uh, pop along to that and we'll be able to give you some training and some, some sort of a bit more food for thought for you to take forward as you decide what your path is or as you take it forward at whatever level you're at currently. Yeah, and it and what I what I love about fringe events is that the groups that sometimes promote them, whether that's the ALDC or the Lib Dems um, Friends of Israel or whatever the different groups are, having their perspective coming through it is really important because sometimes it's not always agreed party policy. They're trying to push something to become thing. And so it's really good to get into the the, the meat of those debates. Now, Rochelle, there's all sorts of groups that, that are exhibiting and that are put forward fringe events. So are these all these are all associated with the Lib Dems, aren't they? So obviously there's the, the humanist and secularist Lib Dems, for example. Yes. But we also have organizations that aren't necessarily part of the Lib Dems, but have some of our ethos and uh, agree with some of our policies. So we do look out outside of the Lib Dems as well to find people who can give things that are interesting for the members. And uh, for those of you that weren't around during coalition, Mark will remember that we had some very peculiar ones when suddenly the things like, suddenly, because we were in coalition, so everyone wanted to have a stall. I said, what's the nuclear industry doing at uh, suddenly paying for a stall at conference? But Mark, how things have changed. Do you remember when Gatwick sponsored our whole conference and then we voted oh, against yeah. expanding Gatwick? Yeah, but they had great <laughs> drinks. Yeah, on, on yeah the- no, I mean, it was great, but um, <laughs> but yeah, it was also quite funny and, and they obviously then didn't sponsor us again. Yeah, I think some of the most um, heated debates at conference committee have sometimes been over who should we accept money from? Because I think there's a real tension between to what extent should we have conference being about our values versus freedom of speech in general. So, you know, the tobacco industry is the classic example where I think just about everyone in the party is happy to say, no, we won't take money from the tobacco industry. 
but what about, say, the arms trade? You know, we believe in regulating the arms trade um, and greatly restricting it, but we don't believe in completely abolishing it. So if British Aerospace, for example, wanted to spend money on appearing at conference, you can imagine the sorts of debates, uh, you know, that we've had at conference committee on yeah. that. Obviously, these days, uh, there's a little bit less outside commercial interest, but hopefully Sarah Green's election in Cheshire and Amersham will have helped uh, helped move the needle back yeah. in the right direction on that. And I'm sure we will see more of that return as our recovery continues through this parliament. I think it's notable there's more media interest ahead of this conference than there was ahead of our last autumn conference, which is a good sign of the direction we're headed. I can't believe you brought up the aerospace industry. It, given that I'm surrounded by BAE systems here mm. in Preston, it's like one of the most awkward issues locally mm. for us. Who invited him onto the this episode anyway? But Christine, what about you? What, as an MP, obviously you are one of the leaders of our party. You are, you have, you have staff. You have all sorts of things that must be wonderful to have. Do you go to these fringe events and think, "Oh, I'm really looking forward to digging into this topic"? I have to be. My staff have to keep me under control because I, I just, I, <laughs> it's another room full of people. So you know. If there's a fringe, I will go. And um, I think the first conference after I was elected was in was in Bournemouth, and we had the ridiculous situation where I had three fringe events all back to back and was running from one to the other, and I loved it because you do actually get a chance to get into a subject much more or an area you maybe don't know very much about much more than you do in the big debates and conference, <laughs> and very often people come along to the fringe events and speak out who wouldn't take part in the debate because they don't fancy the idea of getting up in front of a whole conference hall full of people. And as an MP, it's also an opportunity to, to learn. Um, you can learn about... I first became involved um, in assisted dying and the sort of parliamentary um, approach to, to, to changing legislation after a fringe at one of our at one of our conferences, it was in fact the conference in Glasgow. Um, we had the fringe, and I remember it was Tessa and Tessa Munt and Margot McDonald was there, who had been leading the, the campaign in Scotland, and I'd known Margot when I was a young trainee at um, Radio Clyde, um, and I had also I'd written a bit about her campaign, and I went along that day, and she more or less um, Margot being Margot. We didn't agree very much about politics, but she got me that day and um, <laughs> got a promise out of me that I would continue to campaign if the legislation failed. And, you know, I, I think that for other people that have been other fringes like that, they can be they can be fun. They can be um, they can be an opportunity to, to learn about a new subject or they can be an opportunity for people who maybe haven't quite you know, got their head around the idea of standing in front of, of conference to speak, to just make a contribution at the fringe, particularly if it's something that they really, really feel strongly about. Callum, again, uh, you, you, you've, it, it's great that I tell you the young Liberals have got, are so energised now and do so much. But again, like your policy motions, you've also got several fringe events happening during the conference as well. So how important is it for you to be able to showcase yourself? It's, I think it's really crucially important. So I've, there is a slight misunderstanding with the Young Liberals that Tara and I are sort of the base of it and we're sort of the only people involved. But actually, sort of working with us, there's a whole host of ridiculously talented people. Um, 
so we've got like for example just t- take two people Janie Little and Tom Campion um so Janie is just turned 18 yet has single-handedly managed to get god knows how many policy motions onto the agenda for conference age 18 built a network that's got a notice at every level of the party for all the right reasons and actually it's people like that you just get a chance to showcase and go these people know what they're talking about they might be young and it might be easy to turn around and go oh they don't know what they're talking about because they're actually they're both brilliant and tom for example is, is currently leading campaigning in castle ward in newcastle um which i still need to go up and campaign and i would recommend everyone who gets an option to please does um uh, and i know christine did promise to go go, go down and campaign so make sure you're reminded that but yeah it's it's really important that next week exactly brilliant um so yeah no, we, we, we've got an opportunity as to really showcase some of the really talented people we have coming through the party people who work for the party in organizing roles or just volunteers and what we can contribute as members so i think it's really crucial and fringes and training sessions really provide an intimate opportunity to do that can i just add on that for for young liberals what one of the things i love is meeting young liberals at conference. And you talked about um, chatting to Carmichael in the bar, Callum. You didn't know who he was. That has happened to me at conference. I've spent time talking to young liberals who then emerge um, either as candidates or working for the party. Or we, you know, um, I met um, the other Callum, little more at the Welsh conference a couple of years ago and he is now working in our press office so it's fantastic you see people at the Young Liberals Fringe and you meet them at conference and then you see them moving on um, and it's it's just another thing which is so encouraging about conference. Mm. Yeah I'd like say there are god knows how many people are party organisers who started off volunteering with the Young Liberals it's genuinely fantastic to see. It's not without its risks, though, because we've all seen that photo of Alistair Carmichael looking about 12 in that cardigan. Uh, And so you've got to remember, all you young liberals, if you do get on screen, that will be immortalised forever when you're an MP. Uh, So it all comes with warnings, doesn't it, Mark? Yeah. One thing actually to say about fringe meetings as well, fringe events as well, is from the point of view of the audience, is if you've never, say, spoken at conference before, you know, you've never... You're not really used to even maybe standing up in front of a room full of more than half a dozen people and speaking. If if that sort of that is all new to you, actually asking a question at a fringe meeting is a really easy way, a really nice, friendly way of beginning to get some of that experience, which is not only useful in politics, but actually, frankly, is very useful outside politics as well. So I I definitely encourage people who've not really participated in conference before and maybe coming for the first time to think about and just, yeah, just ask a question at a fringe meeting, get get your toe in the water and see whether you enjoy sort of participating in conference that way as well. I seem to have uh, set the chat alight with talking about that young Alistair Carmichael. Maybe that isn't as well known as I thought, and I've just outed uh, Alistair on uh, on the podcast. I'm sure he'll forgive me. Actually, I'm, the the really impressive thing is is anyone can hunt down the YouTube clip, the only YouTube clip in existence that very briefly shows me dancing. <laughs> right. That is a okay. real so rare. Have an open mark. It's, it's oh, your, there's, that's there's your bank also... holiday weekend search challenge. <laughs> is that that's not the clip of the land song, is it? No, I'm not oh, giving any more clues, one. but it's not that. There's a clip which um, a former member of staff, Joe Swinson, has of me dancing with Julian Huppert <laughs> at um, Bournemouth. Um, Julian's a much better dancer than I am. 
No, you know what? I, I wouldn't have guessed that from Judith. It's always the dark horses at the Lib Dem disco, isn't it? That's that's where you go. And I suppose, again, for people that don't know um, what Glee Club is or, or, or other such things that traditions are happening, I think, you, um, just go and find out. There are, they or are, don't. Or, or don't or, go or, to Glee Club. You can go to I, conference and not go to Glee Club. <laughs> can I clarify? We don't have a virtual Glee Club, do we? We don't have a virtual Glee okay. Club. I don't think that's, like, I love Glee. I, I love Glee Club. I but do, if you want to go on the network there are limits. Start singing to people, do it on the rotation chat on the yeah. live chat thing. just <laughs> randomly right. starts sh- uh, singing the land to someone what right. a great new experience so of the party we, we have gone on to the social part of it which is, is is very important now and you know it's one thing it is a shame that we're online but actually we will we're doing it now so we can when we get back to physical or hybrid meetings we're all still staying connected etc so i want to come now just go around the group What's the one thing you're looking forward to for conference? And then just thank you all very much for being on. So we'll start with you, Callum, shall we? What's the one thing you're looking forward to the most? So it's not technically a conference event, but it's it's adjacent to conference. So London Region um, are organising a basically a a drinks evening reception at at the London Art Bar, which is actually owned by the Chair of Plus, Gareth Shelton. It's a lovely bar. I'd recommend it if you're over in London. Um, and they're, but they're hosting it for London Lib Dem members and people around London. So if you get a chance, uh, it's in Holborn. And it's, yeah, it'll be a great way to sort of add a in-person aspect to the conference. I, I feel a Lib Dem pod pub episode must be in the, the reckoning of that one. Laura? So I'm I'm actually most excited for the the training aspects with the um with the um the campaign for gender balance. So those are going to be led by Candy Piercy mostly, who is an absolutely incredible trainer and a sort of stalwart of this party. So uh, for me, that's just going to be an amazing learning opportunity, and I could not be more excited about it. Rochelle, are you going to enjoy conference, or are you just going to be panicking that hopefully it's over soon? No, hopefully not panicking. Hopefully it will be an enjoyable conference for everybody who attends and they'll actually want to come back to the conference next year. Brilliant. That, well, on behalf of everyone, I should just thank you and the committee for what you do, actually. And you know, I, I find conference absolutely invaluable and it's down to people like you that it happens. Alex, what about you? What are you looking forward to? Um, well, I'll be on the uh, ALDC exhibition stand, so that'll be good fun. But uh, to be honest, uh, Laura mentioned in the beating Labour in the North, the red wall seat, that's the- I, my hobby is trying to beat Labour in Salford, so uh, I think I might be coming along to that. I'm quite excited about that. If anyone, Alex was a former councillor colleague of mine in Preston, and there was nobody better at winding Labour up than Alex during his his tenure as a councillor. It was in quite the good as it wasn't, that, John. Yes, it, it was good fun. Uh, Mark, uh, we'll come to you next, and then we'll finish with Christine, who can have the last word because I I, I think she would take it anyway. <laughs> so, Mark. Well, I guess the on-brand answer from me should be I'm most looking forward to the constitutional amendments. But uh, in addition to the party awards, which I mentioned earlier, I guess the other thing I'm particularly looking forward to is the speech from Joe Harris. Joe was elected leader of the Lib Dem group on the LGA. And for any of you who don't know Joe, I mean, he has just achieved so much, despite the fact he's only aged about three and a half you know, he's he's yeah, a le- leader of a council, now leader of the Lib Dem group on the LGA, had a sort of really meteoric political career, really full of energy and charm and charisma. And, and I've, I've uh, you know, met Joe, spoken with Joe on quite a few occasions, but I've not really heard him give a, 
full-on political set-piece speech in the way that he's got at this conference. So I'm really looking forward to that. I'm sure he will energise and motivate us massively. And just before I bring Christine in, that's a perfect example because on the podcast coming up in a couple of weeks' time, Joe and Bridget, who are the two leaders of the Lib Dems ah, at the LJ, are coming on to talk about you where they want to go with the LJ as well. So that's uh, absolutely brilliant. So thank you very much for that. And I, just before I bring Christine to do the last word, I should just say, make sure anyone who's watching and listening to this, please, if you can like and subscribe to uh, both the Nevermind the Bar Charts podcast and the Lib Dem podcast, helps us beat those pesky algorithms and so we get pushed up those rankings. And do make sure you follow everything to do with the conference uh, using the hashtag uh, LibLDConf, as well as the, the um, they have their own handle as well. I think it's called LibDemConf as well on Twitter, but also follow everything to do with our two podcasts as well. But Christine, over to you. Bring us home. Uh, what what are you looking forward to most at the conference? That's actually quite a difficult one because I look forward to most of it. But all the interactive things. I miss the bar. I do miss the bar. I shouldn't probably say that in something that's going out of the public. But um, I miss all the interaction there. Um, so the fringes, my staff are in the office laughing because they know I am missing the bar. Um <laughs> But all the interactive stuff, the question and answers would be great. But actually, going back to what you were talking about, people looking forward to the strategy motion. Um, yeah, we are beginning to look forward to the next general election. We are beginning to look forward to, to breaking through that red wall, getting back red wall, blue wall, getting back some of the red wall and making more ground in, in Scotland, hopefully. The polls are certainly looking up. So I'm looking forward to actually Ed's speech. Because that will be, for me, the leader's speech is always the launch of the next phase of what we're going to do. And we're going to be on Canary Wharf and um, Ed's going to be making a live speech. And that will set the tone for the next year and for the first step into the next general election campaign. So it'll be our call to arms and it'll be start the campaigning for next year's council elections. It's a good job we're not meeting in person. Otherwise, we'll all have to do a fine for not mentioning the leader up until two minutes before the end <laughs> of the actual podcast. Uh, I'm not be- silly. Yeah, that's right. So, no, but thank you so much, everyone, for being on. If anyone has any questions or anything, again, there are no silly questions regarding this. If you come into comments for the first time, do get in touch with any of the panel here. We'll more than happy answer any of your questions or queries that you have. But the last thing is just enjoy it. You know, it's a chance to meet up, enjoy yourself, be around like-minded people and, you know, and then strive on, like Christine says, towards the elections next year and beyond. So thank you so much, everyone, for being on the panel. Thank you, everyone, for listening and watching. We'll be back with more episodes coming up with all sorts of interviews. And thank you very much for your time. Bye.